Alrighty, welcome back into the We Shall Not Sleep podcast. Thank you so much for joining us once again this week. Continue to follow, like, discuss, comment, leave reviews at any place that you find your podcasts, including YouTube. Feel free to constantly provide feedback and criticism, constructively, hopefully, at our email, wsnspodcast at gmail.com. Once again, thank you for all the guests that have been lined up already and those who have come recently and joined the show. What an amazing time, uh, especially a th- shout out to my father who was able to take some time away. Uh, thank you again, Dad, for that. And don't worry, he's not the last family member you'll hear from. And I'm looking forward to the next coming weeks. Uh, the content is going to continue to be there. And a lot of the topics that I want to discuss are things that you guys have brought up. So it's great to have the feedback in person and virtually. And I will continue to make this journey a collective thing that we do together. Alrighty. So right now, as Christians, we are in right, I mean, right smack dab in the middle of Lent. So as we approach Palm Sunday this coming week on the 28th, I just want to kind of make a distinction here. Sometimes we as Christians, I, I think we get a little lazy in our language, and this might sound very anal, and people don't like you know, grammar Nazis, and I do not like to be one, but I think it's important with the language that we use to describe our faith, and and that's the person of Jesus. You know, as we approach Palm Sunday, we we celebrate Jesus's triumphal entry into Jerusalem as king. Of course, it's not a grand entry the way that kings of the world would have done. Instead of being on a chariot or being carried by servants, he was on a donkey, which is, you know, a picture of great humiliation. It's a low place. And you have palm branches being laid down and the Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest being sung. And you have Jesus, this portrait of Jesus, who then in, in Luke account weeps over uh, Jerusalem. And he is just wrestling with the weight of, of what, is it, what is about to come. And one of the things that I, I at least, I think that it's kind of, left out is the importance of the Christ in Christianity. We we seem to focus on him like we should on Easter, but do we focus on him the rest of the year? And you know, for me that the thing that I have to say about all of this is that again, as Paul has said, you know, if Christ didn't resurrect, you know, we're wasting our lives. You know, for me the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the Holy Trinity, is the distinctive for our faith. And when we come back to that exclusive nature of Christ, when he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, he's making an exclusive claim. But as our culture becomes more hostile to any sort of exclusive claim or truth of the capital T, which that's been the case forever, but relativism is really starting to creep into the mainstream and affect the church even. That's why there's a progressive church movement, which seems to apologize for a lot of the quote-unquote archaic beliefs, even the teaching that Jesus died on the cross, the whole point of Easter. I don't know what those churches do at Easter because what do you what do you do if you don't believe that God is a loving God? Because they, they believe that it was a form of what they call child abuse. Like, yeah, it wouldn't be in God's character to send Jesus to die. That just doesn't make any sense. So Easter is 
downgraded in their lexicon, their their culture. So as Christians, I don't think we can just let this go any further. We have to continue to stand on the words of Jesus. And when when I think of uh, his particular words, listen to listen to Jesus in John chapter fifteen, where he says the following. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this, so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. You see, that's that's the beautiful part about Jesus is he's always pointing back to the Father, always. And so when, when he says, you know, I call you friends, what a, what a glorious title that is. It, he doesn't call us servants because they don't know his master, but if we claim to be his disciples who know him, he's calling us friends. And what are we there to do? We're supposed to love one another just as he has loved us. And that's unconditionally. It's the pinnacle of love when you're willing to lay your own life down. And I think that's the best part about Jesus is that he was always willing to do, demonstrate, you know, walk the walk with whatever he said. Everything that he commanded us to do, he did himself. He had authority and credibility, but it was never for self-glorification. It was always to point back to the Father. It was reflecting the Father's will. And that's why it's important. And, and, and when we look at passages such as Genesis 1.26, establishing that Jesus existed before, along with the Trinity. Isaiah 7.14, the prophecy. And then if you look at Matthew chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. Chapter 4, 12 through 17. John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5, 29 and 31. Chapter 3, 16 through 18. Chapter 8, verse 58. Acts chapter 4, verse 12, Romans 6, 23, 1 Timothy 2, 5, and Revelation 13, 8. If you go and look at all those verses, look at the, the common nature of the Son, this Messiah figure that was at the beginning, prophesied, had come in the flesh and fulfill what the prophecy had done, which, again, we see John the Baptist saying, you know, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. 
And for me, at Lent, during this time when we are focusing on Jesus as an Orthodox community, I have to ask, why did he come in the first place? There are movements out there in the church that will deny that mankind is sinful, that we're bad. No, we're, we're, we're actually okay. Well, then I have to ask, if we're okay, if we're actually decent people, then why did Jesus have to come and die in the first place? I mean, there are difficult teachings that Jesus reveals. That's why it's hard. John chapter 6, his disciples, after hearing that he is the source of their eternal hunger and thirst, that he will satisfy that with his body and his blood. Even his disciples said this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? And then from that point on, they turned back and no longer followed him. Those were his disciples. Well, then who are we? The message itself, of course it's not palatable for the world, let alone even our own churches. It's difficult. I mean, listen to these words. Luke chapter 9, verses 23 through 26. Then he, Jesus, said to them all, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? Whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his glory and in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. We don't like to talk about that. What are we doing with God's Son? Are we ashamed of Him as well? When push comes to shove, are we going to be like Peter? Who said, no, no, Jesus, I'm, I'm not, I would never deny you. Then the opportunity comes and he says, no, I don't, I don't know Him. Are we going to be ashamed to stand with Jesus? Even fellow Christians who stand up for him on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, every social media, just in your daily life who kick back against a lot of the teachings that are infiltrating the church that aren't biblical at all? Are we even willing to stand for each other, let alone Christ? That's a question I want to seriously consider, not just for myself, but for our churches. Please consider that. What are we doing? With Jesus, what, what do we do with him? Just some thoughts. Thank you so much for tuning in for the short thought here before Palm Sunday. I hope you guys continue to be safe. My prayers are with you. May God bless you. May God keep you.